Once upon a time, the saying was, trust the process. Now, it's L plan. You need to believe in L plan. You may wait a few months to know about it, but in time, you will know about L plan. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Oh, very good. Very, very good. Very good. Welcome to the Ferrari Formula Le Mans Racer episode 333 SP of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Trey Harrison. Good to see you. And uh, yeah, Qatar was different, wasn't it? Uh-huh. <laughs> it was. It's. I, I, I have come to one overriding conclusion over the course of this last week. What's I that? missed the bikes. I, I, yeah, I, 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 I missed the bikes a lot. It was I it was a it was a weird like count. It was a weird like in paradoxical weekend for me. So uh, watching Formula One cars go around this place with vastly different camera angles and and a hell of a lot quicker. But hey, uh, we we had an okay Grand Prix out of it and a lot to talk about actually in a strange sort of sense. But uh, we'll get through that in a minute. But let's go around the horn real quick. First with me, Mister Ryan Eric King. Hello, sir. Hello. Uh, glad to be here as always. Interesting Grand Prix. Not not the the greatest Grand Prix, but it was solid. Yeah, yeah. Like we'll talk a bit about it at the end towards that towards the end of the show. But yeah, it was it was different, but not necessarily in a bad way. We'll talk about that in a bit. Um, forgive me if I sound a little bit rough. I was up till three in the morning last night watching our beloved basketball teams, my Lakers versus Kings Knicks. Kings Knicks came out on top. <laughs> that was not very bing bong from my beloved Lakers. <laughs> but uh, here we are. I'm still struggling, but uh, I, I will recover mentally and physically over the course of this podcast. Also, uh, we have the man that totally did not dress for the occasion. Uh, I don't know what could have possibly happened for him to, to, to dig out the Alonzo merch again. <laughs> RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Oh. I had no expectations of this return. I really didn't. Because what? Alpine had been good for maybe a podium or two. Alonso's coming back at age 40. There are younger drivers who could deserve an opportunity to race in Formula 1, including several that are within the Alpine Academy. You know, I I was fine. I was resigned. I I was perfectly fine if Fernando Alonso never drove another season in Formula 1. But he got back on the podium for the first time in seven years, which we'll touch on during the show. But between this, between my baseball team being good, championship winning good, things are looking good in the sporting sense for, for your boy up here in, uh, in the middle of uh, the New England-New York confluence. Things are good. I'm uh, I'm eating good tonight. It is American Thanksgiving holiday, everyone. And um, I hope if you are celebrating, that you have a, good, have a good time. If you are, if you don't particularly care to celebrate, or if you're in a tough family situation, which has kind of dented your, dented your enthusiasm for it, trust me, I understand. And that's fine too. Hopefully, on this podcast, we'll still be eating good. I did, I did actually forget to mention that, but to all our Americans out there, have a lovely Thanksgiving. Um, stay safe out there and uh, get some good eating in you. And uh, if you can, avoid the Detroit Lions playing football. That's just not worth it for nobody anybody involved. That. No, nobody needs that on their Thanksgiving table. It's like um, nobody needs to be dragged into an uncomfortable uh, socio-political conversation with relatives that you don't speak to on a regular basis and nobody needs to watch bad football on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Definitely avoidable in both cases. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk the Qatar GP on this one and uh, yeah, Lewis Hamilton at it again. <laughs> um, no longer on brand. No, it was a fun week. It was a fun week where we could say, "Yeah, it was 101 wins." Now it's 102. It's just a terrible number. It's just a waste. Like I, I, I don't like it. I wish you could have stayed on 101 just a little bit longer. You know. Oh god, all, all the hamfans are gonna come after me now on social media. Shit. Um, just, look, look, it's it's fine. 102 is a fine number, honestly. So we'll talk all about that. How Verstappen came through a bit deeper in the field that he probably would have liked due to an incident on Saturday. 
we'll be talking about a certain right to review being rejected, because we did briefly mention this last week, and uh, we got the outcome to that as well. RJ will talk about El Plan and how we got to that point, and Losile in general. It's going to be a lot of on and off track stuff to get through over the next 45 minutes to an hour or so. But in the meantime, these places you can find us real quick. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter and motorsport underscore 101. We're on our personal handles. You can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell. And Cam, who sadly isn't here this week, we'll be back next week, hopefully for the Valentino Rossi special. Here's at CBuckley917. We're on Instagram, motorsport101pod. Um, and we're also on our website, motorsport101.com, where if you're up there right now, you can check me writing about the, the 2021 MotoGP season. By the time this episode goes out, all three parts will be up on there as well. Um, talking about all the factory teams and some thoughts on 2021 in general. It's a, it's a good read, if I do say so myself. Um, and if you really, really uh, like... My Cash App us- cash tag is... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, my that's lagged on my side just a little bit there. I'm sure Kick will cut that out and post. Um, but yeah, if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five bucks gets you early access to one of our audio episodes. You can upgrade to 10 for the supporters club. So you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded and get video access as well early. All of that good stuff. So without further ado, let's get into the Qatar Grand Prix. Stop me if you've heard this one before, uh, but we're in Qatar. We had a lot of drama the weekend before the race. On Thursday, Mercedes had their right to review appeal into the incident of the Sao Paulo Grand Prix at Interlagos, rejected by the stewards. Ironically, this was breaking news as both Total Wolf and Christian Horner sat down for an FIA press conference together, six feet apart from one another, but in the same room. Great content. Uh, let's get to qualifying. Lewis Hamilton on Saturday breaks the field over his knee for pole position number 102. Uh, Valtteri Bottas got a three-place grip penalty, and Max Verstappen got a five-place grip penalty for ignoring a single, then a double-waved yellow on the home straight. Why? Because Pierre Gasly, uh, caught the outside curb, blew out a tire, and parked his Alphatari on the side of the road. So Botas, who was originally third, was now moved to sixth, and Verstappen, who was originally second, moved to seventh. So Pierre Gasly's wreck, which, if this happened in IndyCar, would have resulted in his fast lap being deleted. Instead, he starts on the front row, bumping the Alpine of Fernando Alonso to third. We're on that in a bit. Uh, in our race, Hamilton led early doors. He led wire to wire. First time he'd done so all season. Verstappen passed a few cars at the start of the race because we're thinking there's no way anybody can overtake around here. Within a few laps, he's up to the second. Meanwhile, Valtteri Bottas, uh, early on this race, spent a bit more time struggling to get around Lance Stroll than I think Total Wolf was comfortable with. And then he caused the biggest flashpoint of the race after blowing his tire on lap 33 while trying a one-stop that effectively ended his race. He would eventually retire. Four different drivers suffered blowouts. Him, both the Williams drivers, George Russell and Nicholas Latifi. Lando Norris dropped from fourth to ninth because of it. But you remember Fernando Alonso? Remember the two-time world champion? Youngest at the time? Remember the youngest race winner at the time when he won the 2003 Hungarian Grand Prix? You remember him, right? Two-time Le Mans winner? Undefeated at Le Mans? You know... He made the one-stopper work. And despite late pressure from Sergio Perez, who had a crappy qualifying but come back to fourth, Nando completed the process. He said, you got you to wait for a couple months, but you got to trust in our plan. Fernando Alonso finishes third for his first podium since the 2014 Hungarian Grand Prix. Now, we'll get into some things that have happened between podiums, but folks... I want to talk to you uh, because it's on a lot of people's mind. Is Lewis Hamilton back in control of this championship? Funny, because I, I, I did some digging about this at my uh, current employer's 
uh, website regarding this. Hamilton is back in book in the in the eyes of the bookies. He's title favorite again for the first time in about a month. Four to he's six. Now, he's four to six. Verstappen is six to five. If you are gambling, please gamble responsibly. Um, but it's it, it, it. Oh man, I. It's hard to say because. It's. I think these two entities, whether it be Hamilton or Verstappen or some combination of their cars, are so close, and the performances <laughs> are. Hi, Mrs. King. <laughs> um, and I think the performances are. Okay, let me just stop. I'll, I'll repeat my answer after King's back on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good King. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, yeah, I was gonna say like with Hamilton being four to six and Verstappen now six to five. I think that's the first time Hamilton's been favouring in about a month. Um, the point I was gonna say is that it, it's it's like the combined entity of Hamilton and this Mercedes and that Red Bull and Verstappen. It's so close; it's almost track dependent now as to who has the upper hand week on and week out. I mean, three weeks ago we were going crazy over Verstappen having seemingly taking control of it in Mexico. A week later, Hamilton pulls out his best weekend maybe ever. And now this one, which we all, I think, kind of had an inkling to think it might be a Red Bull track. It ended up being a Hamilton track. And he wins comfortably, lights the flag. So it's... It's it's hard to say, man. I, I... It feels like it like it does, especially with Hamilton having that more powerful engine in the bank. But I, I cannot, with any real conviction, say one way or the other. I don't know what you guys, how you guys feel about it. Is the internet sketchy on What's someone's that? end? No, I thought RJ were gonna say something. No, no, no. I, 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 I figured, I, King, if you have something to, if you, if you have a take on it first, because I'm still trying to come up with one of my own. Yeah, like, uh, it's. I'd say Hamilton certainly has the momentum at the moment, but in terms of, uh, like. Hamilton needs to beat Verstappen in the next two races to win the championship. That's that's the end of story. That's like the end of it. Uh, Verstappen, realistically, if he just wins one of the next two races, he'll be champion. Yeah, there are actual scenarios where Verstappen can clinch in our next race. If he mm. wins and Hamilton finishes outside the top six, it's his. What it basically boils down to. Uh, I, I still feel like it's advantage versus Sappen unless proven otherwise. And, you know, ideally, we'd love to have another Hamilton ahead of Verstappen 1-2 finish so that it goes all the way to the wire when it's a winner-take-all race going into Abu Dhabi. I mean, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, God, first final round decider in half a decade when 2016 was the last time it, it, it had gone the distance like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, it was a bit of a case of, oh, well, Rosberg just has to follow Hamilton home. So a little bit of the intrigue was kind of lost on that one. Um, mm. You know, so if we got it where it was close enough, so let's assume Hamilton wins in Abu Dhabi. Oh, no, I mean, sorry, um, in Jeddah uh, next week. And it's maybe the gap's maybe one point. Could be could be all square, depending on where the fastest lap point ends up um, as well. I mean... Again, who knows? I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be those two first and second because I, I did some number crunching on this. 30 of the top 40, top two spots in in the field this season has been either Hamilton or Verstappen. Verstappen's had 16 top two finishes this season out of 20 rounds. Hamilton's had 14. So it's kind of good? a fair assumption to think they're going to finish 1-2 in either order. Um, I, I, I would love to see a way to take all finale. Especially on an Abu Dhabi track that's reconfigured. I mean, goodness yeah, only knows what's going to happen. Test. If, if Abu Dhabi cannot produce an exciting title decider under those set of circumstances after the track renovation, I don't know what hope there is for it as a Formula One venue. 
in the eyes of of people. And not just that, we've also got a we've also got a, a instructors championship that is down to five points in it. Mm. Could you imagine if for the first time since 08 we could get a split where it's not the same driver's team and then the, the different manufacturer wins? I think the teams care far more about the drivers because I remember in 08, I remember that Hamilton won the driver's title and I remember Ferrari won the Constructors' Championship. I don't think the Ferrari team were jumping up and down that they just won the Constructors' title. <laughs> no, they weren't jumping up and down because they just had their heart ripped out in the la 30 seconds after the checkered flag of Brazil. <laughs> uh, you know, what, what, what prize money would there be if it were not for some vibes on the side as well? But I... I it's it's it's. I think it's incredibly close. I I I think it's too close to call, and I, I think it's kind of hectic that people are just going out of their way to say title over, or title over one way or the other because people had that thought after the grid penalty that Verstappen had, um, which we'll get to in a minute. But like, oh. it's just it's so close to call right now, and that's yeah, that's brilliant. The fact that mm -hmm. I don't know is awesome, and that should be championed and celebrated because that is a rare thing to say in an F1 season with two rounds to go. Yeah. Okay, so, good. with that in mind, uh, we've got to talk about another major flashpoint, but one we only had on, on the Thursday. Um, and that was a press conference between Horner and Wolf, and then the stewards conveniently dropping in the middle of that the right to review that Mercedes lodged after Brazil uh, being rejected. Um, and I read this report, and it was on the grounds of the new evidence that was presented, i.e. we didn't get the onboard from Max Verstappen's car until Tuesday, it was deemed that that was not significant enough as new evidence to to activate a right to review. Um, you know what they should I have done is have Alex Albon recreate it back at back at Silverstone. Yeah, yeah, just just recreate that, a couple I think of they lines. Really would have done, you know. <laughs> I mean, so with that in mind. I mean, what did you guys think of it? Well, do, do you think the stewards got this right, i.e. that this was not enough to prompt a second look? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with them. Like, the new evidence didn't really change my opinion on what happened. Yeah. <laughs> my opinion on what happened is that it should have... Yeah, I think uh, my opinion at the time is that it, it should have probably warranted an investigation of a look at objectively... Uh, Obviously, that didn't happen, and you have a bunch of drivers who are now uh, vocally confused about, like, so what is and is not over the line. I do find it interesting that, like, in the discussions that they had during the Qatar, Qatar Grand Prix, that, like, it seemed like the only person who was consistently, like, oh, yeah, we came out of this meeting, uh, and we knew exactly what to expect. Matt's was the only dude that felt like that. Oh, yeah, it's clear well, to I, me. I'm, I'm not I'm sure about why. everybody else. <laughs> Max, I had like, I'm good. I'm good. I know exactly what I need to do here. I am I am covered. I am sorted. I mean, my personal opinion, I said it last week. I said if you put a gun to my head, it was probably a five-second time penalty for Verstappen for what he did because I think there is one rule he definitely broke, and that was leaving the track and gaining a lasting advantage. Um, because yeah. he did gain the last in advantage. He was able, he bought himself a couple of more laps because it put the gap back over a second again in the, in the direct aftermath of the incident. Uh -huh. If the stewards didn't deem that being worth looking at the first time round, the onboard is not going to give us anything to say, let's look at it again, chief. Um, yeah. so that's, I think the stewards had already written themselves into a corner on this one personally. Um, because, you didn't need Verstappen's on board, in my opinion, to tell that they that he had blatantly broken that rule. But I think the stewards are in a nice tall glass of Lenham race. And um I think they have to I think they were almost forced into letting that stand. Um 
I, I, I love the fact that Lewis Hamilton said straight after the meeting that, you know, we wanted more clarity um, about these decisions. And then I think it was Michael Massey that straight up said to him, expect different decisions of different stewards. And I was just like sitting there going, hey, we've seen this one before, haven't we? <laughs> Having, just... <laughs> having having like been in the presence of Michael Massey, that is like pretty much dead on like his body language and expression and how he would explain things. It's great. <laughs> Massey's just fed up at this point. I think he just wants his season to be over. He's just like, I'm fed up with this shit. <laughs> just like, can we, can we have the off season wanna, now? Please? I just want to crank back and enjoy a Phoebe long neck at Outback Steakhouse. You know what I mean? <laughs> That was a bit too on the nose. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going we're to kick England's ass in the cricket. Oh, we know. We know. They've already won the World Cup. I mean, geez. Um, I mean, yeah. Again, I, I can only echo this. I I, I don't think that on board. I'm a, I'm a complete agreement with King. I don't think that on board showed us anything that yeah. we didn't already know off this incident. It didn't change my mind in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, if anything, I think it made it actually a little bit less clear-cut as to what had happened because there wasn't this blatant knee-jerk reaction um, on the steering wheel. It was just that Verstappen did what I like to call the Schumacher marginal call, where it was like, I'm going to run him off the track and let the stewards make the decision. And the stewards are like... Yeah, it's like... Just, it was, a, it was a very controlled understeer, to put it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's big inverted commas out here going around. If you're not, if you're not listening on or watching yeah. on video, I should say. Um, yeah, it's it, it is. Uh, it, for me, I, I I don't think there was anything in that. I'm, I'm, I completely understand Mercs having a go because that's oh. their right. They have nothing to lose, and they potentially yeah. had three points to gain out of it. Um, that is the sort of thing that I could see was worth asking the question, at least. But to me, I, I don't think that uh, there was anything there that was, you know, worth another look, so to speak. Um, yeah. Um, on the subject of uh, penalties, uh, Saturday at the end of qualifying, Pierre Gasly blows out a tire because uh, the, the edges of these curbs are rough. Um, Obviously, Botas gets a penalty, three-place grid drop. Verstappen gets a five-place grid drop. Uh, Christian Horner gets a slap on the wrist and has to do community service uh, for some things that he said uh, after the decision was levied. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, are we okay with the penalties for Verstappen and Botas? Because there is precedent. I think it's kind of curious that, like, signs didn't get anything i guess they didn't show him a yellow flag so like uh, no so they did show signs of yellow flag but they were able to prove through telemetry that signs had slowed okay yeah i, I misremembered there but obviously for both and for stappen uh did not get the same benefit of that max for stappen's actually gotten a few post-qualifying penalties remember when he took when he snitched on himself after mexico that one year that always lives <laughs> rent free in my head i love seb's quote as well like after the qualifying sessions like you know i had to back off because i knew max was coming <laughs> uh sassy seb um I I think you know what's funny about this. Well, I, I wrote about this on the website as well. I said I think Carlos Sainz is exactly the reason why those two got punished. Not so much Valtteri because I read I read the stewards' notes and Bottas essentially pled guilty. He was like, "No, I did see the flag, and no, I didn't slow down." He basically admitted as such um, in the meeting and was like, "You got me," <laughs> and he just took his penalty. Um, I think Verstappen argued his case a little bit more. I think because Carlos Sainz slowed down of his own volition once he saw the flag, I think that was the common sense argument to definitely give Bottas and Verstappen penalties. Um, to be fair, there was no yellow flags on race control screen and there was no yellow light warning on Verstappen's dashboard. But and I remember this from the 2012 title fight between Alonso and Vela, and what Alonso tried to do Sebastian for flag supersede lights, and yep. and there was 
It's an obscure one, but there was a double waved yellow on the side, and that I think I think if signs had not slowed down, I think there might have been potentially more ground for mitigation. But because yeah. signs did the sensible thing, it's like, well, he could do it. Why didn't you do it? <laughs> and I think yeah. that's what probably got them the penalty. Um, I didn't have a particularly big problem with that. I know they've really tried to clamp down on, especially on double wave yellows in the last uh-huh. couple of years. Oh yeah. Um, with you know what happened to Imola last year, what happened yeah. in Austria earlier this year. I think the key was the key was the key to Mazakin that got Nikita a and Nicholas Latifi thirty second time penalties after the race. Yeah, uh, and free like penalty had, points on the. We license. had an incident in Turkey where um, that basically just said, like, yeah, if you set a hot lap in a double wave yellow zone, it gets deleted. Yeah, um, which I don't think came up here for some strange reason. Yeah, I, that I, was I noticed... that was weird. That was weird because I'm just like, I see this happen. I I see that Verstappen improves as he's driving by Gasly. I'm like. Did Way they off accidentally? <laughs> did they? Did they rescind the lap time deleted rule? And I just didn't hear about it. Or it probably was never rule in the first yeah. place, and just oh, yeah. like a race control directive for that yeah, one particular yeah. race. And they're like, we forgot to add this. <laughs> I went and looked over the sewer nose. It says it's still there, but it didn't. It didn't come into factor. But obviously, then we had like the three race brick penalties, so that ended up being a punishment and oh boy we had another long wait for a for a decision after qualifying which pushed it all the way to hours before the race before we knew it was actually starting where uh is this getting a little bit overboard uh, i don't know it i i wrote a i saw i saw a, a very well written piece uh by dieter over at uh, racefans.net talking about this today and like, did, did you know a fun fact? Did you know that Netflix was filming that total Wolf Christian Horner press conference uh, on Thursday? That, oh, that's smart. You know, they yeah, missed the that, opportunity to see Verstappen touching the wing of Sao Paulo. They're just like, oh, we're not missing any of this. Again, yeah. they do not have to punch up any drama. They don't have to embellish anything. Like people got tweaked out about them embellishing a Norris versus science rivalry. They don't have to embellish shit this year. No, not, not, so, not a sausage. It, no, 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 no. You can, you can, you can ethically pirate it uh, this series next year because it's the right thing to do. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. They they don't need to embellish shit. No, I was saying like Netflix was in the room during that press conference on Thursday, despite not being a part of apparent F one's traveling bubble. Um, Netflix was in the room during that press conference, and then of course the announcement came out during that press conference that the FIA themselves organized before the weekend had started. Now, I don't know if they pluck these driver pairings or team boss pairings out at random or they draw lots out of a hat or whether it's deliberately planned this way, but we've had three major investigations that took the better part of 24 hours to sort out. I really don't think this the Verstappen signs Bottas incident from Saturday night needed... An entire an entire day's worth of going over the footage and checking what had happened. I, mean, I, I know that it's all... late in Qatar at the time that this is all going down, but like mm. you know, if if something like this were to happen in Formula E, they would be staying up all night. They'd be getting like four or five cups of coffee to figure this shit out. Mm, mm. Like that in combination with the Mercedes incidents at Brazil. Um, I know that was a bit more understandable because they had to they had to test the rear wing multiple times over, and they you know, and then of course the Verstappen wing check incident in there. You know the, the the stroking of the wing had to be had to be potentially a mitigating factor as well. It all does smell a little bit Hollywood. I know people on Twitter are a lot more cynical about this now because they're digging up the rule book left, right, and center. I know the one that came up a lot on Sunday morning was we have meant to have a, a final grid of four hours before the start, and that's never been a consistent thing as far as I'm concerned. I've, I've seen many a race where they're still ironing out decisions before before the grid's full. Yeah, we so had I, I, that at the very first race of last season, you know, the first race of these uncertain times. Mm. I think they were moving Hamilton's car back within like an hour to the race start. Right. I remember it you know, 
So I think people are going out of their way to a degree to try and smear the FIA or, or smear the race control incorrectly. I think there are some things you can absolutely be critical of them for, but I don't think that's one of them personally. But it does freak a little bit of trying to fan the flames a little bit with how long some of these decisions are taken. I really don't think this one in particular in Qatar was a 24-hour job, essentially. Um, I really to iron all that out. tired and wanted to go to bed. Just want to sleep on it, and we'll determine on the morning when we have a whole other, whole rest of a day to, to ponder it. It's like, lads, we could sort this out, but or we could go for dinner. Um, we'll go and, Nando's. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm not sure. Is there a Nando's in in in, in La Salle? I, I don't know. But I mean, King, I know you're on the fence. I mean, how do you feel about it? Because I think this is, I, because you know the FIA and how they operate a little bit more than most people do, and so I'm I'm curious to see what you think. I mean, like, sh- sure. Is it can, is it inconvenient that the the final grid came out this like yes? Well, did the race did this actually affect the race at all? Was the race did the race had to be delayed or something of that measure? No, it didn't. Like, should this be uh, should this be something we should avoid? Yes, but is this like a crisis? No. <laughs> Uh, if you need to know, there are, I did do a search and there are seven Nando's locations in and around the city of Doha. There we go. And that's, uh, that's near LaSalle. So yeah, good. So yeah, they, they, they clearly got the urge for some peps, for some peri peri chicken and thought, let, we'll settle this in the morning. Um, look, I, this is not an issue. I think a lot of this is just drama for drama's sake. I think this Mm. isn't a incredibly dramatic title fight. And every little thing is going to get amped up by 10 because one of the people involved was a title contender. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Max Verstappen, obviously, and arguably the most, you know, galaxy brain flashpoint since, since Silverstone. Or maybe Monza, depending on how you want to look at it um, and what your opinion was on that incident one way or another. This is not no crisis. You I mean like we we still waiting the same amount of time for a Grand Prix, regardless. It's not like I guess King says it's not that like you're kicking the Grand Prix down the curb um, for for an hour and a half um, to to figure this out. But uh, I, I do think it's a bit strange that that took the best part of of, of twenty four hours to clear. But you know when 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 we're seeing things like Netflix filming press conferences, I'm just like. It's going to raise an eyebrow with certain people. And, uh, you know, hey, dramatic title fight. Isn't this what we all wanted? You know? This is, this is what we all wanted. And we, we don't want it decided by the stewards. Unless it decides it, it's decided by the stewards in favor of the driver that I am part, more partial to. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's still hope for Sebastian Vettel to get back in this title fight via steward disqualifications. I'm sure we can figure that out. Um, Just exclude everybody else ahead of him from the championship. It's fine. Sure, why not? Um, RJ, talk to me about your man. Oh, 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 gosh. Um, you know... What a what a day! What a weekend! Uh, Alpine <laughs> did not look good to start the weekend, and then they gradually got better. This seems to be like a track that was much like uh, Istanbul Park, where they did particularly well. Mm. Um, the the prevailing theory and the recommendation for for from Pirelli was that two stops is the way to go. One stop would really be pushing it, but Alonso made it thirty four laps on a set of hard tires. He did have some help, of course. Um, Sergio Perez did have a much faster car and probably would have caught him if not for a virtual safety car. And also there was an incident early in the race that may have gotten overlooked. But you remember when it's like Esteban Ocon and Sergio Perez, I believe they're racing for position. I believe it. And they're coming up to Charles Leclerc, who's like about to come into the pits. And then he locks up and it takes Perez a little bit longer to get past that may have had a factor in it too. Uh, Alonso drove superbly uh, today, uh, this weekend. He did. Uh, there's little else to say about that. It, it seems like he, you know, even though he is now past the age of forty, he's 
always been fit enough. And if he is invested enough, he's always had the skill to do this. I, I don't think his skill or his physical condition is deteriorated. And it seems like he's genuinely having fun. I feel like, you know, he's his ego has softened a little bit uh, in his old age, no, but- knowing that he has accomplished pretty much all that he can at this point. I, I think in the back of his mind, I realize that three titles probably isn't going to happen. But, you know, if he can help... Alpine turned things around because they've already got a wind under his belt. And obviously they wanted to stay in that. So they say, hey, they're going to secure fifth place in the Constructors' Championship after AlphaTauri. AlphaTauri had a vintage Toro Rosso weekend where they were hot shit in qualifying and then nowhere in the race. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't Definitely help themselves much with their own pit strategy. Um, and, you know, credit as well because there were other drivers that made a one-stopper work to their advantage. Esteban Ocon, Lance Stroll. Uh, you know, I can't speak for Lando Norris and George Russell. I mean, that sucks. You know, obviously people are going to be like, how could Pirelli, who recommended a two-stop race, how could they not build a tire that would go for one stops? <laughs> but, yeah, I'm obviously very happy to see that. It's It's been a long time. I, I didn't ever think I would ever see Fernando Alonso on a Formula 1 podium. I didn't think it would be this year, if ever again. But, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, unless you have, like, deep-rooted um, Alonzo hatred in your heart, I can't speak for you, and that's fine, whatever. But I think the general pop is like, everybody likes seeing Fernando Alonso on the podium. I think everybody was just, like, happy for this dude. He's finally back after all these years in the wilderness. As a guy that used to, used to have a deep-rooted hatred of Fernando Alonso... <laughs> Even, even I was like, yeah, well played, Nando, well played. Um, that was that was an excellent drive. And, like, I, I still love that Lando Norris was like, these Pirellis are too dangerous. And I'm just like... George, yeah, Russell, was, George Russell was just like, ah, ah whatever. Just, those, just one of those racing deals. <laughs> Lando was like, these not, not, all, not, all English, not all young, early 20-something English twigs are built the same. Can't relate. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, like I said, good Fernando. Good, great job for Alpine. Fantastic weekend. A critical weekend in their fight for fifth in the Constructors, given they were third and fifth on the day. Shout out to Lance Stroll. He, if he had, I want to say that's his best result of the year. In yeah, that's his best two- finish of the year. And he'd been coming off some terrible, terrible weekends. If, mm, if Vettel mm, did, mm. I hate that Vettel didn't get such a good start off the line because I, I feel like oh. there, was, there was opportunities for double points for Aston Martin. Uh, yeah, you dropped the 17th off because he went wide on the dirty side of the track on the first quarter. Like, about half a dozen cars did not yeah. get in the breaking point. Right. Yeah, the only one. thing that took the heat off of him was Valtteri Bottas dropping to 11th on the opening lap and getting stuck Ooh, behind boy. the aforementioned Lance Stroll. Like, again, at, at times, I wonder if there are any good second drivers. <laughs> it swings on a dime these days. Yeah. Um, now I have to mention this because we did it. We had, we, 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 we warm up with a little pre-show before we get going. Um, we had a discussion about a list of things that have happened in the world since Fernando Alonso's last podium. For those guys who don't know, first and foremost, it's, it's terrifying to me that Fernando Alonso has 98 career podiums at the same time where a man has 102 race victories. And Alonso is clearly one of like the top ten to fifteen drivers ever, and, and it's a, it's a strange vibe. But his last podium, for those who didn't know, was the twenty fourteen Hungarian Grand Prix. That was for Fernando personally, a hundred and seven Grand Prix ago. Um, so in that time, a lot of things were different in motorsport and the world in general yeah. back then. Yeah, so it was. here's a few that we came we came up with. Um, in so things that have happened since Hungary 2014. Um, Lewis Hamilton and Mark Marquez only had one world championship each, and Max Verstappen had not even debuted yet. Yeah, Max Verstappen <laughs> was going through it in the wars in the European Formula Three Championship with Esteban Ocon. Uh, yeah, and we had not reached the apex of the Max Verstappen bidding war because there was a bidding war between Mercedes and Red Bull. But ultimately, what swung in favor of Red Bull was that Red Bull were willing to give him a drive in F1 much sooner than Mercedes had. And you start to think, like, if Max Verstappen had gone to Mercedes, there may have been a chance that Max Verstappen uh, was the greatest prospect that never made it to Formula One if their track record with handling Pascal Verlein, Esteban Ocon, Felix Mm. Rosenquist, 
if if that had come, if that had happened, like who could you imagine? <laughs> that, that's a scary thought. Um, our reigning MotoGP world champion Fabio Quartararo, our brand new champ for 2021, he'd only just made his debut in Moto3 at age 15. <laughs> that was yeah. the first year of him at world championship level. Um, the hottest social media trend at the time was us pouring ice buckets on our heads for ALS, and, and, yeah. and for those in the UK, better known as MND, a motor neuron disease, including me. If you go, if you want to find it, go, go on my old channel, Harrison101, uh, from years ago. You, you can probably, if you ever want the amusement of having a, a bucket of water over my head, it, it's on there somewhere. Um, uh, the world's most hyped movie at the time was Guardians of the Galaxy that was due out the following week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, I, I remember the the first time being able to watch that in film that that was a good yeah. time and i like, and like, i know chris pratt i know we know that chris <laughs> pratt's not as cool a dude as we thought when this movie came out uh -oh. but there it's just like you can't you can't take away like all the enjoyment that you have when you see this movie for the first time. It's like this is when the Marvel Cinematic Universe peaked before it really jumped the shark is either that or the release of Avengers yeah, um, gone, gone, gone to screen it, Going back to just some motorsport things, uh, Alex Pillow, much like Max Verstappen, had just gone out of karting, but unlike Max Verstappen, who is in the main European championship in Formula 3, Alex Pillow had, is racing in Euro Formula Open for Adrian Campos' team. Uh, wonder what happened to him. Oh, yeah, yeah. current IndyCar Series champion by way of a stage mm -hmm. in Japan. Um, Formula E did not exist, and neither did this podcast that is in its current form. Yeah, this current, yeah, for those guys who don't know, maybe newer viewers, our first ever episode was after the 2014 Russian Grand Prix, its first appearance on the calendar at Sochi. That was in October, I believe, that year. Uh, Hungary is a bit earlier than the calendar. So this podcast, as you know, it was not a thing when Fernando Alonso was last on an F1 podium, so, uh. There you go. Formula E's first ever race was later on that year. I think in, I want to say in September. Um, first year of the NASCAR playoffs too. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> first We're going south here quickly. Um, uh, but Mark Marquez <laughs> did win ten in a row. Uh, yeah. Started to learn that he is that good, uh, as well as our our newest, our eight-time and reigning world champion of rallying, Sebastian Oje, who had just won a second world title. But I'm sure that it's all just the product of a busted Volkswagen Polo. And if he had gone to any other manufacturer, he would not be a successful, uh, sorry, uh, eight championships of three different manufacturers at the end of his full-time career? Okay. Uh, some things that happen in sports. Um, Germany beat Brazil 7-1 in a World Cup semifinal. <laughs> LeBron James comes back to Cleveland, wins them a championship. Cleveland, this is for you. And then leaves again to join the Lakers. Um, Nippon Professional Baseball's uh, all-time hits leader, Isao Harimoto, uh, goes on the record uh, talking about a player on the Hokkaido Nippon Ham Fighters who is, uh, and I want to make sure I have the quote right, uh, he's being childish. His selfish desire to hit is taking bats away from real players, angering his teammates and keeping him from being the player he could be. This was about a 19-year-old kid who had 10 home runs and 212 at-bats as a designated hitter and as a pitcher. You might know him. He's the undisputed, unanimous American League MVP, Shohei Otani. Funny how that works. Amazing. Amazing. Um, the Ebola virus was just becoming a thing. It was just starting to hit mainstream press. We learned so much about the world and deadly diseases in the six years prior, haven't we? Yeah, that's right. Between Ebola, between Zika, we're all, oh. we're prepared. So that way, if something worse comes up, we know to take care of this and act in the best interest of other people around us and not ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, as you do. Uh, we, we learned a lot from that back then, clearly. Um, Fernando Alonso himself would go on to drive for three different teams in Formula 1, take a break, come back, celebrate his 40th birthday, win Le Mans, enter two different Indy 500s, failing to qualify in one of them, and racing the Dakar. <laughs> what a career. <laughs> what a life. 
I can't wait for them to write a book. That's going to be fascinating, quite frankly. We are in the infancy of like the PlayStation 4 Xbox One generation. The Horizon Festival has gone from Southern Europe to Australia to Scotland, and now most recently to Mexico with the release of Forza Horizon 5 as one of the most popular games in the world upon its release. It's just wild. And 10 million players first week for Forza Horizon 5. Crazy stuff. Um, um, Louis Van Gaal just took over Man United. Uh, you know, the David Moyes <laughs> era had just ended, but, you know, I'm sure it's not going to get this bad in the future. No, never. N never. Not, not at all. Give it the end of the year. No. no. <laughs> I swear to God. No, we're not, we're oh, not cycling managers out every 24 years. Uh, 24 months. Also, uh, some failed New York real estate mogul and reality TV star had his entire political career. Oof. From opening to four years of terrible, like it's happening and then it's done. Mm. Oh, that was that was that was that was a, that was a that was a bumpy road back then. Oh, jeez. Also, shout out to our friend in the chat, James Galantis. Had to get a couple more for Australia. The Aussies beat England five 0 in the Ashes series. Thanks for reminding me, James. Uh, the one English guy in the chat. Um, and then Conor McGregor would also make his UFC debut and retire five times since. Um, a couple of good ones in there from him. Um, so shout out to James there on that one. But a lot has happened in the world since then. But good for Fernando for coming back on there. His 98th career podium and his first since coming back with Alpine. Was driver of the day as well, voted for by the fans. So, yeah. It's proof out there that Alonso can still beat Hamilton, at least in a popularity contest. Mm. Now, while the Hamilton fans like their pitchforks and find my house, um, before we get out of here, fellas, what did you make of the track and just the Grand Prix in general? Because obviously there was a lot of talk about this place. You know, it came up pretty last minute. Um, you know, much more known as a MotoGP track. It's their season opener for those that aren't the biggest bike fans in the world. Um, how, how did you guys feel about it? You know what I thought? I thought it was I thought it was better than I think people were worried about. I'm not going to tell you that this is like the greatest Formula One track, but you remember like it was several years ago where we had like a discussion about like proposing like a completely alternate Formula One calendar made up of events that are like not on the calendar to replace the ones that we have. And I want to say mm -hmm. I proposed Qatar as like as like an alternate to Bahrain if we had the chance. You know, I'll admit this wasn't, like, a total classic, but it was better than you think. Obviously, like, the slipstream in the DRS was, like, the only way you could pass. It was so broken. And then, of course, to the rest of the track. It's, like, it's a fun time trial track, but a lot of those high-speed corners are just brutal to follow through. Yeah. But I think people liked it, and I'm almost kind of sad that we're, like, only doing this once before we're going to another streetish course in Doha. Oh. <laughs> yeah, King, what did you make of it, man? <laughs> yeah, pretty much agreeing with RJ, where it's like, it wasn't as bad as people like dreaded on social media, but it's pretty much exactly what the teams thought it was going to be, where it's going to be uh, hard to follow, only real overtaking the main straight with DRS. Um, guilty, guilty is charged as bike fan first here. I thought this was going to be terrible. It ended up being okay, and I will take okay. Okay is fine, given my level of expectations here. It's a solid six out of ten. Yeah, I, I had it as a five and a half. I thought I thought it was a decent race. I, I really can't complain about this one too much. I don't. I actually thought like I mean I remember actually having Red Bull tell Verstappen on the radio passing is actually easier than we thought it was going to be. Yeah, um, and that's so before they told Gasly to move over. <laughs> They said, they, they said Max is not our race. What possible other way could that be misconstrued? Um, <laughs> as he goes wide. Um, no, I was going to say, like, look, I, I, I don't think this was bad. I, I, I actually was, I, I said to myself after the race, I was like, you know, I actually wouldn't mind if they came back here. Because there's other tracks on the calendar that are just as mediocre, if not worse than this one. I think mm -hmm. cars actually could follow each other reasonably well. No. A lot better than I thought they could um, yeah. around here. I thought it was going to be like a second and a half deltas everywhere and just be, be getting no racing at all. That wasn't the case. You, you could follow. The, the, I don't think the DRS was too overpowered. You could defend into turn one as well. Um, it wasn't a, 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 a conveyor belt for a pass. I've 
this did a lot of things right. Um, and I didn't have a major problem with this as a track at all. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. Although, for those fun bike versus F1 comparison guys out there, fastest lap of the weekend, 32 second difference between Formula 1 and Francisco Bagnaia's MotoGP yeah. lap record. He said earlier like, in the year. so much easier to corner with four wheels. I know, like yeah. 20 times to contact batch. Who, who, who the funk it? Um, although, bike way faster in a straight line. So we'll take that. 225 yeah. mph. Take that, Sarko. <laughs> God, son. Um, we'll have that. Like I said, I, I actually would not mind it if we came back here um, on a semi-regular basis. But of course, we're getting another fucking street circuit um, because this sport can't help themselves with street circuits. Um, got to bring the racing to where the fans are. Of course, Sorry. of course. Um, yeah, I thought it was fine. I thought it was an acceptable Grand Prix, they, and, and that's good enough for me. Uh, so yeah, Qatar will be back in a couple of years' time, um, 2023, after the World Cup. Um, we saw a lot of World Cup cross-promotion over the course of the weekend. Oh, Did you guys as well see David Beckham, John Terry, um, and Andrea Perlo rolled it up for the weekend? Jeez, <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> One very classy gentleman and John Terry. Um, <laughs> so that, you want to talk? You want to talk about careers that may or may not have peaked in two thousand five? <laughs> very true. Very true. We'll have that. Um, we're on a gap week for for Formula One um, oh. because we we are a week off. The last gap week of the year. We'll be back in the week after for the first Saudi Arabian Grand Prix coming to you from the streets of Jeddah. Um, in the meantime, as mentioned, you may have seen it on social media, we'll talk about it a little bit as well. There'll be a special on next week's episode. It'll be live streamed on YouTube with the four of us. No, uh, it's, talking... not, it's not live. It's not live? Oh, okay, I'll, I'll start that again in a minute. But uh, yeah. <clears throat> So yeah, we have got we have a gap meet next week. So obviously there'll be no Formula One race. We're back from Saudi Arabia in the streets of Teddah in two weeks' time. But we're gonna have a little special um, pull up in between on Valentino Rossi's career. So that'll be out in the week in between that and Jeddah. So we'll still be getting some content um, between now and F1 season kicking in again. It's still kind of weird that we're in the last week of November and we've still got three weeks to go in this F1 season. It's a strange one. We're getting a race. Two weeks before Christmas. Uh, what a time. Um, but, yeah, Qatar was okay. We'll take that. Um, so, yeah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time for Jeddah. Check out the Valentino Rossi special in the interim as that goes up. So, basically, you can find us one more time before we get out of here. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Facebook.com, same same address there. Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles on the screen right now at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell. Cam's usually at CBuckley917. We're on Instagram at Motorsport101Pod. Our website, Motorsport101.com. If you want to see our full MotoGP season review coverage, you can go up there as well. And, of course, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101. Five bucks gets you early access to one of our audio episodes. Ten bucks for the video version and access to the support club where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded as Vic, Jason and James did. Thanks guys for chipping in as ever. Um, thanks guys for watching. We'll be back for a, for a Rossi special next week. If not, see you next week one for a couple of weeks time from Jeddah. But until then, I've been Dre Harrison, David Ryan, Eric King and RJ O'Connell. Till next time, Sayonara. Later y'all. Oh. Bye. Later y'all. <laughs> I love that we had to get two awkward exits this week rather than the usual one we had. Like, where'd it go, fellas? We lose one seat and all hell breaks loose. <laughs>